You're about to listen to the amazing Trek Off podcast, but did you know there's also an amazing Trek Off movie in production right now? Watch the trailer at trekoffmovie.com. That's trekoffmovie.com. Also, if you want to hear over 100 hours of Trek Off, you can find that at trekoffpodcast.com or search Trek Off in your iTunes or your pod feed or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Search for Trek Off. Finally, you can find lots more podcasts at Geeks Radio, the home of Trek Off podcast. Who Garrett and RJ go to Hollywood Ninjas versus you all at geeksradio.com. Now enjoy Trek Off. Warning the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. It's time for Trek Off Enterprise Double D. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And today we have have, uh, um, have a guest. Uh, um, We uh, have had the the fortune um, of being associated somewhat with a fan film called Farragut. Um, and, uh, and we've gotten to know those guys and we've seen the set down there. Um, and they are truly the, uh, sort of, sort of the part of the, of the Trekoff family. Um, and so, uh, I have not had much experience outside of Farragut, which, uh, was always been ashamed because I have, uh, always heard of one kind of more even than I've ever heard of Farragut, except now that I've. I'm in the Farragut world, which is uh, if you know Star Trek fan films, you've heard either the term Star Trek Phase Two or Star Trek New Voyages, um, and th- these are the ones that uh, that you had like you you've had actually like George Takei in um, and and Walter Koenig in, and that uh, Eugene Roddenberry Jr. is is part of, um, which is to not take anything away from any of the others, as like like when we talked to. Uh, to John and Paul just a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, there's room for all of it. Um, but this is one of the ones that started off, and I have known about this uh, since well before Trekoff, since before Ninjas, uh, way back uh, when one would say, hey, they can't do that, can they? Um, I finally get to ask, can they? Um, <laughs> so uh, we have with us today... From Star Trek Phase 2, Jamie Sanchez. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hi, guys. Um, this is exciting. Right? Um, uh, first of all, uh, we'll just say right up front, feel free to use profanity. We will. Um, <laughs> that's, so, so basically just think Star Trek cock and balls, and that's us. Um, so... Um, uh, but I'm really excited um, about this because I wasn't lying when I said that, like, like I was aware of this before I even made my first film. Um, that, like, the the idea that this was happening um, was crazy, and my first thought was, can they do that? So, uh, tell us about this, man. How did New Voyages? Uh, how did New Voyages come about? Um. The executive producer, James Colley, actually worked on Star Trek The Next Generation, and ever since he was a kid, he wanted to play Captain Kirk in his own series. Well, fast forward 20 years, when he was working on Star Trek The Next Generation under 
Bill Tice, who was the costume designer of the original series and Next Generation. Um, he made contacts with like Major Roddenberry, David Gerald, DC Fontana, and a little bit at, before Bill Tice died, um, he sent James a care package. And in that care package was the blueprints to the sets of the original Star Trek and a bunch of color swatches for uniforms. And there you go. The the uh, genesis of fa- New Voyages Phase 2 was born. Um, That's that, incredible. So, wow. So what did he, what did he do on, on Next Gen? He was one of the costumers. In fact, he is, has famously told me multiple times that he made the ugly sweaters that Wesley was wearing. <laughs> Did he really? That's awesome. That's yep. incredible. <laughs> That's fucking great. That's uh, fucking fantastic. I love it. Does he have one for himself? Like, like just, uh, you know, to hang out in? <laughs> I honestly don't know. I haven't seen it in his war- wardrobe, but I bet you he could probably whip it up in the next in 20 minutes if you gave him warning. God, you should do that. Just I'm just saying, like, I feel like he should always wear one when you guys see him, just for funsies. <laughs> What's what's I mean? What's so interesting is is how plugged in uh, this is to uh, to not only the other um, to the other Trek uh, like fan films and stuff, but into Trek itself. Um, uh, in doing my research, because I'm a good researcher, um, I uh, I noted that they even reference the Ticonderoga in Enterprise. Um, as a nod to like where James Colley's from and that in the, in the crossover episode in the, in the mirror universe episode where you find yourself um, on like on a constitution class starship. Um, some of that was from uh, new voyages in phase two. Yeah. The um, Sulu scope that you see is new voyages. Um, a bunch of the buttons that were made were also new voyages. And I'll even give you another little tidbit. The wraparound uniform that Archer is wearing, James made. Oh wow, that's, that's awesome! See that, like, like what's fun about that is 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 being involved with it, being involved with Enterprise. Enterprise goes away now. Where is this in terms? Like, like had New Voyages started when Enterprise was still on the air? Um, it started a little bit into the third season, I want to say. Um, in fact, a, a lot of the people working on Enterprise were actually working on New Voyages at the time. Doug Drexler was the CGI artist on our show. So he was pulling, well, he'd do his day job at Enterprise, and then at night he would do New Voyages. Wow, that's really cool. Talk about labor of love, y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, that, the idea of going to Star Trek like for your paycheck during the day and then sticking around and doing and it doing on a volunteer. And doing it for fun, too, right? Like, that's, that's some dedicated people. <laughs> yeah. Um, James told me a story that um, apparently one of the... It probably was, like, in the fourth season, and it was after the first official episode was released, which was In Harm's Way, that they brought everybody in to the conference room at uh, Paramount and said, what are we going to do about this showing uh, in harm's way on a, on a screen? So that was kind of like surreal. Um, now, now take me back to, cause I want to, I want to find out more about you as well. How do, how do you become involved? What is your, your background for, uh, 
for Star Trek. Uh, for one, how do you get involved in doing this? And then what is your sort of Trek background before? And lead me up to today, today and let me know how this has all happened for you. Well, my mom has quoted as saying that I've loved Star Trek like since the day I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the story goes, so I was told while she was in the hospital with me, that she was watching Star Trek The Next Generation and then she flipped off of it and I started to cry and then she flipped back flipped it back on and I was a fan ever since. Oh, that's awesome. I fucking love that, dude. That's great. So um, so oh, there's the train. Hi train. Oh sorry, um, yeah. I live I live in the boondocks. <laughs> um, um did, like like so so did you grow up watching Star Trek through high school? Like were you like so if you were born during next gen, that would have you have you high school late late 1990s you know early 2000s i suppose um i i actually graduated in 07 and i right. i've had this conversation with james in fact i had it i think one of the first couple of days i met him i told him that i was born during the second season of star trek the next generation he goes fez you make me feel feel fucking old <laughs> <laughs> right you make me feel fucking old dude shit <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because you know most of the people we've interviewed have been our age or older, and it's interesting for me uh, to be in a conversation with someone for whom you know by the, you know if you were born second season, that means you were five when it went off the air. That means you were seven when DS Nine went off the air. I mean, like for you when you first sort of become cognizant of it, it already all exists, and and so it's an interesting perspective of someone because because we can debate you know. Alexi and I debate endlessly, endlessly about whether or not DS9 and the or the original series is best. And we all, we both kind of agree that Next Gen is the second best. Yeah. Well, wait. Do we both (laughs) do we both agree that Next Gen is the second best series? Um, Like, is Next Gen your number two? My number two. I don't know. I guess I. I I maybe probably. Yeah, Yeah. So for you, it's original series Next Gen DS9, and for me, it's DS9 Next Gen original series. Um. Uh, but we both have this experience of like only having uh, original series and then growing into uh, things when we're when you know we're already kids, we're already in middle school, and 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 next gen comes out. So for me, it's it's really an interesting idea that it was just always there for you. I mean, was was like was there were there DVDs? Was was it always present? Like, could you watch it anytime you wanted, or did you have to do like we did, which is like get home from school by five in order to catch it while I was on TV? I watched it. I watched mo- most of Next Gen in first run. I watched Deep Space Nine and Voyager in first run, and then Next Gen in syndication. And then I watched the original series whenever it popped on on like Sci-Fi. So I've al- I've always had it around me. And um, I, the way I rate my Star Trek series are um, TOS, Next Gen, and Deep Space Nine are one, then Voyager Enterprise. Uh. That's you know it's it's interesting. That's we just had a uh, a conversation with the guys at the at the Delta Quadrant uh, podcast, and and you know they they have done a really great job. Um, it was really a long conversation, like a three hour conversation, um, of sort of bringing at least me around to my thoughts on Voyager. In that that I now will not say the Voyager is the worst, but or or the second worst, but go it is just not right for me. Um. Because, because sort of the conclusion we reached was that uh, was that what at least for me that I liked the whole like scope 
of of the story of the Federation, and since Voyager was apart from it, it all just seemed like like bottle episodes. It was like an entire series of filler episodes, in my opinion. So it's like it's interesting that that even someone who had it all sorted there at once would still come to the conclusion that Voyager and Enterprise were were number two, um, number two in every in, in every sense of the word number two. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if Voyager had stayed with their original premise, it, I think it probably would be up there for me in 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 that stratosphere of TOS. TNG Deep Space Nine, but because well, it should have been they, like Battlestar, right? Like it's a ship yeah. that's going through hell. They don't they're, they're when they get damaged, you know, they should it, they should stay. I, know, I always disagree with you though on the on the on the Battlestar Galactica situation because that's such a darker, battley, warry type show. And I feel like the re- what I liked the idea of Voyager that I liked was like how would these people who are like in, you know sort of indoctrinated Federation for the most part since they kind of like go to the whole Maquis thing like what would they do completely on their own like without the backing of the Federation like would they be able to stick to their Federation ideals because I would like to think so like I feel like that's very Roddenberry that idea that even though they're sort of divorced from the Federation that they would still be federation you know what i mean yeah um i agree with you but with voyager it's like every other star trek series where they're afraid of canon where hey we we did this and say 20 episodes later oh we didn't know we did this and (laughs) you're like what the fuck we did this already Like you fucking do that, dude. Come on. I, I mean, I, I, I did always get the sense on Voyager that there was a, a, a deliberate anti DS nine ishness to it, where it was like, like you cannot take too much time referencing something that happened in a prior episode. That at any point it has to be like it seemed almost like a mandate. Um, I don't know if it was a mandate, but it seems like it was. Um, well, let me ask you this question. So, so why, uh. Going back, going back to what was New Voyages at the time. Why original series? Why not do, you know, Voyager was off the air by the time it was starting. There was no more 24th century Trek. That was the Trek that at that time, you know. Now it's you know it's interesting the way that things have turned because at, in the early 2000s it was all next gen and the original series was this thing back from the 60s. But the one that everybody knew in the early 2000s was the next gen era because it all had been so much next gen era. I've been 21 seasons of next gen era. Um, nowadays it's because there's so much distance from that and the classic has come back and the new movies have come out um, that it's, it's very much kind of flipped back over where it's like, it's like there was the original series and then they had all these other spinoffs and that like, it's sort of all seen as one the original series is the best. That's why you go there. I'm just saying my point being at the time that it was being done, why original series? Why not next gen? Why not continue the 24th century that everybody knew at the time? Cause it wasn't going on anymore. James believes. And I, I kind of feel like this too. Now after being on phase two and watching through the original series now as an adult, that star Trek really is Kirk, Spock and McCoy. I mean, you can yes. put them in any, any situation and you've got the, the heart, and you've got the logic, and then you've got the middleman, which is Kirk, trying to decide between the two. It's between the three of them; they're a complete person. And really, in TOS, it's the and and, and in Deep Space Nine, 
you're getting more of the the now human where we're always struggling versus the TNG and Voyager humans, which are idealized, where nothing's a problem. And I, I think that resonates more with people than, say, the TNG era. I mean, I... Yeah, because it's fucking magical. He's absolutely right. That's, I mean, that's what I always go back to when it comes down to Star Trek, is that those three, it's just fucking magic. You can, I don't care what they do or where they do it, honestly, like as long as they do it. See, but I was having this conversation with, of all people, with my eight-year-old uh, today. And, um, and to me, it's much more, uh, what I like about Star Trek is like what I like about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is that the idea and what they're going to do with Star Wars and what they're doing it now somewhat with Rebels being around is the idea that, um, especially Rebels, which by the way, if you haven't seen, it's a really fucking great show. Um, uh, have, you, have you checked it out yet? I have. I actually reviewed it with um, the Trefka FM guys over at the 602 Club. Did you like it? I liked it. I think it has tons of potential, and I'm also a Star Wars fan, so anything that goes to Star Wars, I'm like, I'm there. What I like, what I like about Rebels, a lot of what I like about Rebels is, is it solidifies this idea within Star Wars that I think is also true of Star Trek, which is uh, this is not in any of the episodes. There are no Skywalkers in this show there is no connection to the to the main story of the six movies and it's showing that in this world you can have an entirely different crew doing entirely different things than the things that you have known before and it can be interesting i don't know it's not as interesting yet but it can be interesting and it's what they've done with again with the marvel cinematic universe which is the idea that you can have a star wars ish guardians of the galaxy next to a you know next to a spy game uh captain america next to a a an asgardian thor and it's all valid and it all fits because there's room within the universe to tell all these different kinds of stories so while I understand the feeling that Star Trek is Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. I think that's a very, very good Star Trek. But I don't think that is Star Trek. And I think the thing that I liked about Star Trek um, is, and, and what I hope to see go on, is that you can have, you know, you can have Wrath of Khan, and it can sit next to the inner light, which can sit next to Cupid, which can sit next to the Dominion War, which can, you know what I mean? Like, like there, you can't, vastly different, kinds of stories that are outside of the the wonderful triumvirate of of kirk spock and mccoy but that it can all exist and be wonderful because the universe that's created is rich enough that it can be mined in lots of different ways i don't know your thoughts alexia i mean i agree that you can it's that is part of what i like about the star trek universe is that like they've that they've built a universe that persists and can continue i guess i just i really like i mean to you don't have any of it though without the original series like that's that's where it all the is birthed you know what i mean so like um i love that that we have the ability to continue to exist in it but and i and i'd watch most just about anything they do in it except some of those rumors that were flying about not too long ago and i was like um no don't do that because that's not star trek but other than that like as long as they stick true to the the original ideals of the universe, I'm down. So, 
Um, what made uh, what what was the thinking behind? Um, and again, we've talked on the other side of this to the Farragut guys, who uh, they 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 felt very much like there were other stories off of the Enterprise to tell. Which I love that idea. I mean, it's a really cool idea, like Rebels, that you can have another ship that's out there doing their own thing, um, a spinoff show in the original series time, which I think is a really fascinating, if you'll excuse the use of the word fascinating, um, <laughs> concept. Um, uh, why, why decide to do, I mean, those huge shoes to fill uh, in terms of doing Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Why choose to do those guys? Because we've only got, we only have three years uh, out of the five-year mission. There's so much more stories and things that Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and the crew of the Enterprise can teach us. I... That's the way James has explained it to me, and you know what? I, I completely agree. Just like if there was a season eight of TNG, I'd be down for that too, because I feel like even though All Good Things was a great finale to TNG, I still feel like there's still more. I mean, there's so much more story up till Generations, which I don't want to talk about that movie. <laughs> right? Well, I just I just hope <laughs> that you next gen that it's all just like Insurrection said no one ever um, <laughs> um sorry I, I i shit all over insurrection mostly because it's a toilet um, <laughs> um would you just stop your hating i'm sorry it's terrible it's terrible it's i'm sorry. terrible but that's because i love all of it so i'll uh, admit but, that i will i will give that to you um I, was there a sense, is there a sense now, I mean, of, of, of being beholden to those three original actors, to those performances, or are, like, I, like, I feel like there are two ways to do it, right? There's, uh, there's the Chris Pine way, which is to go, I am going to embody the spirit of Kirk, but I'm not going to do Shatner. And then there's the, uh, there's the, um, oh, wait, Zachary Quinto way. Which is to go? I'm going to, or the or the Carl Urban even more so. I'm going to do a dead on amazing impression. Uh, is there a sense of which of those two things you want to try to be um, on a show like this? Um, actually, working with Brian Gross or new Captain Kirk um, for for the last three years, I've tried to teach him to be Kirk, not necessarily Shatner, and I. Th- I think it's kind of like a hybrid of the two, where there's some Kirkisms, if you'll pardon the phrase, that you want to use, like his mannerisms. And then there's other things, like just the swagger and the confidence that he em- embodies. But you've got to bring your own interpretation to the character, because if you don't, then it's like doing a caricature of Kirk instead of being Kirk. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, because I think that's actually kind of what Chris Pine does. Like, there are some moments where, like, just like he has like a like that's a really good word for it. He has like a Kirkism, where it's he's like bones, right? Like where he just kind of in that one moment, like it's very very Kirk, like Shatner Kirk. Um, but for the most part, like you're kind of as an actor coming at it like from the character instead of like you know just doing a caricature of what everybody knows to be Kirk. So would you say that that's what you guys do for the whole show? Like, is that like a, the tone that you guys strive for? That's something that we always strive for. I mean, um, the way I uh, I got introduced to Brian, because for the longest time, James Colley was our Captain Kirk. And it devastated most of the crew who was there. 
that James was not going to be Kirk anymore. But he found somebody who looks almost exactly like Shatner. And he, uh, when he walked into our old studio, he was like, Bez, Brian, Brian, if you need anything that has to do with your character, come up to him. I'm like, great. And then James, later on that day, Brian had, you know, gruff and all that, and he wasn't all kirkified yet. And James asked me to come into the makeup room when he was finally all made up. James held a still of Shatner from 1967 up to Brian's face, and I was, holy shit, that's fucking Captain Kirk. <laughs> um, nice. I, and so I, I, it leads me into a question that I wanted to ask, because I've looked at your cast list, and everyone, there is nobody who is the same as the first actor who played them, um, which is a really interesting, like, it's an interesting evolution of a show to go, if I were to watch your, your latest episodes, um, I would see a completely different cast. Is that, is that something that, that, I mean, I know it's probably not all done on purpose, but certainly, you know, James stepped out. He's still involved in the show, but he stepped out of a role that he was known for. Um, let's start with that. What was the, what was the reasoning behind after the ninth episode to go, you know what? I am going to step out of this role, even though I'm still part of the show. James just wanted to concentrate on making the show better. And he felt that bring Brian in would up our game. James constantly says that he's not an actor, although he is Elvis in his day job. So that's he's always felt, amazing, by the way, can I just say that I read that? I <laughs> yeah. read that and I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. That's fucking great. I made Star Trek costumes and I'm fucking Elvis. Right? Fuck you. I mean, that's just, <laughs> what the fuck like, have you done? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, like, like the guy at McDonald's is like, look, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm rethinking my life. That's so cool. Um, uh, but like that, like, so he, he just wanted to step away, but that's, that's like a, that's a huge change from the show, but it's not the first time you've had that change. Is there, is there a sense that, you know, let it be a repertory of actors who come in and change, like Brian might do a few episodes and then, and then maybe you'd see who else can do it just to see what, like, how is it if you mix it up? Well, we've, we've always tried to keep like a core, the core cast of characters the same. Um, actually, Brandon Stacy, who plays our Spock, who is actually the stand-in for Zachary Quinto in the new movies, uh, has been our longest-running Spock since 2008. And he's been in, uh, uh, like, six, seven episodes. Some of them not released, obviously, but he's our longest-running character for Spock. Charles Root, who plays Scotty, has been in every episode since um, In Harm's Way. So he is the only remaining original character so what? So out of curiosity, who like? So I see there's an episode zero listed on Wikipedia um, with a guy named Jack Marshall in the in the role. Um, is that like like is that something that came before? Because I I did wonder how there could be episodes zero to the show. Um, the episode quote unquote zero was like a proof of concept that really wasn't supposed to be on the internet and stuff. And since and, and the years since James has unallowed it in our official quote-unquote canon so in harm's way is our first episode okay um it's just really it's i think that there's something kind of cool about the idea that um 
that the character I while while it is good to to keep people in there, the idea that again, talk about you know, it being bigger than than the people playing it, it being bigger than the characters. The idea that you can have, you know, just like a Christmas carol, just like Shakespeare, just like, you know, any running play, um, that you can switch actors out and get a different flavor, but it's still Star Trek. I mean, there's there's something I mean, wouldn't you say there's something really cool about that? Honestly, that's exactly how James has described it. How many how many people have played James Bond and how many people have played Bruce Wayne and Batman? It it all comes down to the person playing the role and and what they bring to the character. On that sort of note, here's something that I'm just because I'm, you know, being a woman and uh, um, obviously um, having somewhat of a feminist tilt. Has there ever been consideration to to actually like have a female Kirk or Spock or Bones? Like, has that even ever been breathed of would that even be considered i'm just i'm curious because especially since we're talking about the idea of you know different um sort of having the same role but having somebody bring their own you know special something to it like and i know that initially in the very first pilot that obviously wasn't you know the sort of the first episode um we had you know the second in command was a woman and that you know that they just kind of were like no, we can't have that. Like, you can have a one on the bridge, but you can't have her be the second in command. Um, like, have you considered, like, having the, you know, one of the three be female? I think that would be really interesting, actually. Honestly, I, I, if there has been, I have not been privy to those conversations. But the person you're actually talking about was our Janice Rand, and she wasn't second in command. She was just in charge of the bridge when Kirk went off with Spock. No, I'm talking about in um the like in the first pilot number one, Major Barrett in yeah in, Major Barrett in in uh, um the the one that they wound up using the footage from the pilot with Pike in the two parter in Menagerie yeah like she was second in command <laughs> like I, I I honestly if if we had the, those conversations I wouldn't be privy to because I'm not up in the producer level i've always thought it would be cool i mean i would definitely watch something that had a female captain in the tos era i mean all right had- so i want to i want to put it out there and i want this to get back to to james if you don't yeah. mind um uh that character of number one she's never been used again as far as i know she was mm-hmm. in the pilot who she was in the cage and we've never seen her again i would love to see number one that's something that you guys could do so yeah. there, there's an idea. I want to see number one. Actually, I do have a little tidbit for you. Um, the yeoman in that episode, I think her name is J.M. Colt. We're actually uh, there's a show that a bunch of our uh, a bunch of our crew are doing, which is called Starship Anthology, and that is centered around that character being a captain of a TOS ship. Oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. I love the sound of that. They did a a little test footage earlier this year, and I think they're going to shoot an episode next year or attempt to shoot an episode next year. So that should be really cool. Hell yeah. Like, I'm down. Because I know that, you know, Roddenberry wanted to have, you know what I mean? Like, there's stuff that he wanted to have on the show that, like, they just, at the time, they just wouldn't let him do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think you guys are sort of in a unique situation where like you don't your hands aren't tied like that so like you have the freedom to sort of execute on that shit which is awesome yeah we try we try to be really creative and stuff so 
Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask some questions, uh, about the guest actors you've gotten, but there's one guy I want to ask about first. Um, Paul Sieber, this is a young man who I think is going places. Um, uh, how did Paul Sieber and, uh, and, and Commander Prescott, uh, end up, uh, on your show and was it, was he on your show or on Farragut first? Uh, originally, way back in the day, Farragut actually used New Voyages Studios, so for at least for the shipboard scenes. So, like in For One of a Nail and The Captain Sea, you're seeing Phase Two sets in that okay. episode, those episodes. So they would come up to upstate New York and they'd shoot on our stuff, and we got to you know talking and Paul. Ended up being in, um, see, to serve all my days, blood and fire parts one, part one and two, as two different people, um, enemy Starfleet as uh, Carol, he was in uh, the child as a uh, Decker, but he's not credited in that episode, and then he's Prescott on temporary assignment to the Enterprise in Katumba. So, so he was Prescott first on Farragut, and then he crossed over. As Prescott yep. and Katuba. Now, now I think that that's really cool because now that puts you in the same cinematic universes as I mean that's that's kind of badass, isn't it? Yeah, actually, um, uh, James, Jeff Quinn, and uh, Doc John were in the captaincy uh, as a little cameo. At probably, I think, can't remember if it was the end or the beginning. Um, yeah, the end or the beginning of the episode. But the Enterprise is there, and Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are there, and as our Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. That's so much fun. Nice. Uh, That's cool. Um, we love those guys, and of course, you know, Paul has been in in two of my films as well. So he's he's awesome. Now three because he's in the Trekoff movie. Um, but he is not the only guest actor you've had, and uh, I'm just gonna go into it, man. Um, uh, Chekhov, Sulu, Rand, uh. Uh, Denise Crosby as A.R., not the Yar, but A.R. Um, uh, William Wyndham as Commodore Dick. I mean, what? how in the world? How does that happen? Well, like I said, um, James, after working on Next Gen, and he, he had contacts with people all over the Trek world. It, he, he just called people, and he got them over. I mean, the... Let's see, in the pilot episode, you actually had the original Mr. Leslie and, uh, what, what's his name, um, Mr. Kyle in that episode. Then in Harm's Way, you had William Wyndham and Barbara Luna. Uh, next episode, you had Mary Linda Wapulet Wap 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 as, um, as the ambassador, but she also played Chekhov's love interest in Way to Eden. And then you had Walter Koenig, of course. And then Warm Enough in Time, you had George Takei, you had uh, Grace Lee Whitney as Rand, Blood and Fire, you had Denise Crosby, uh, Enemy Starfleet, we had Barbara Luna again as the alien, and then we had a whole bunch of slew of like uh, regular guest stars for Katumba, but the two special guests were Gil Gerard, who was Buck Rogers, and then uh, Andy Probert, who designed the TMP Enterprise and the next uh, the T TNG Enterprise. Now, now let me let me just go off. Um, uh, 
tell us about your connection to Buck Rogers, or not yours, but uh, but I guess James's connection to uh, to Buck Rogers, because there's something there, right? Um, originally, when the Retro Film Studios had the rights, they were going to do a Buck Rogers in the 25th century uh, steampunk style series, which because um, they actually you know, owned the rights, actually like actually got the rights to be the guys to the, to yeah. do it. But eventually, it got mired up in some stuff that I don't know about. But uh, Gil Gerard was set to play Buck's father in the pilot, and Buck in our in that pilot was Bobby Quinn Rice, who played Peter Kirk for us. Okay. Um, I mean, that's just like it, it's just a, it, it's amazing to me the 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 way that you get into it now i've 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 wondered ever since i heard about it because i think that anybody who was a star trek fan i mean i think absolutely everybody had um had heard about to serve all my days and world enough in time i mean i think that's that's at least for me that went back when i used to and again i it's sort of a defunct message board now but there was a message board called trek web that i used to go to when i was just a fan um and and I heard about it there, and there was always news about those two. Um, but I, at, at the time, I I wondered because from a from a production standpoint, um, your fan film, so it cannot it, it it cannot be for profit. But you, uh, but I would assume these actors they're they're all SAG actors, so everybody would need to get paid. Um, how does how does that work? I mean, do you call their agents? I mean, how like if I wanted to get them in a film, how does one even go about doing that? Because it seems I, impossible. Like like to the to the layperson, and I'm not even the layperson because I'm in film production. Um, it seems like almost an impossibility to go. Hey, I've got this script for Chekhov. Let's get Chekhov himself. And I would ju- at that point, I would just my brain would explode. <laughs> um, the way that it's been explained to me, and I don't know if this is the actual way it happens, well, you contact the actor and the agent, and if they don't want to work for pay, that's okay. That you guys have to just pay the their sag their dues for for an episode. So you quote unquote pay them, and that's the way that it's been explained to me. I don't know if that's the actual way it happens. So, so it was that easy. It was just like call an agent, like just go, go. Hey, Chekhov's agent, we'd like to have him, and then see what he says. Well, that that's basically what has been told to me, but it could be a great deal more complicated than that. Yeah, that. So, my guess is there's probably some other stuff going on there that we don't know about. Like, I assume there has to be some. Like, I, I'm assuming, not really knowing, there has to be like all kinds of complicated paperwork. Like, because it should be a simple thing, but something tells me it's probably. No, not. I'm so selfish. In the back of my head, in back of my head, I'm going, "Could we just do that to get them on our show? <laughs> right? Um, like, can we just call them and be like, can we just call can them? Can touch us? That'd be really great. <laughs> um. Uh, so, so did you get to meet these guys? Did you like, were you part of the production when these guys were, were on? I did not get to meet anybody until, um, Katumba when I met Gil Gerard and Andy Probert, because that was my very first episode. Okay. Um, were they cool? Uh, Gil Gerard was really nice to me. Um, eventually because I worked, I have worked on phase two. I've, uh, I've met like, I met Denise Crosby at Vegas last year, and all I said was, I work on Star Trek New Voyages Phase 2, and she gave me a hug and told me to say hey to James. And Garrett Wong, 
Harry Kim from Voyager, worked on our sets for uh, Star Trek of Gods and Men. And I told him that I worked on New Voyages Phase 2, and he told me to say to James, hey, so I've had opportunities to meet people from the Star Trek world because I've worked on Phase 2, and that's been awesome. I mean, I even met the chat. That is so cool. What did you say to him? Uh, I was like in, I was in a line at Vegas. It's the same con that I met Garrett and um, Denise. Right. And I, people had told me that the chat's an asshole and stuff. And I was like, okay, you don't want to meet your heroes. I, I, I completely understand that. I, I get up there. And the handler goes, don't look at Mr. Shatner, don't talk to Mr. Shatner, don't speak to Mr. Shatner. I'm like, what the fuck? So right. I, get, I, I, I'm, I give my photo over, and he looks at me, and I don't know if he saw me, because I've, I've been an extra in a couple of episodes, but he looked at me, got up from his table, shook my hand, signed his name on my photo, I was like, thank you, Mr. Shatner. And he was like, my pleasure. Oh, yeah. See, I, I like when I got my picture taken with him, I like afterward, like screamed like a little girl and like uh, and like didn't really like had wanted to like just say to him, like, I want to say stop it. I mean, no, I mean, to be clear, if he had grabbed my ass or my titty, that would have been fine because some he can do whatever he wants. But, um, well, Captain Kirk, so yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Right? Like, anyone would ever fucking say no to that, not so, like, but I wanted to, like, because he, like, you said, like a hero, right? Like, so I wanted to just sort of let him know how important his work was to me because, like, I. I know that anytime I've done a show or I've done, you know, work and, and someone has come up to me and told me that it had an impact on them, like, that makes you feel so great, you know, from an, like, as an artist to hear that you actually had an impact on somebody. So, like, I wanted to, to like, sort of convey that to him. Like, I, I had, like, these grandiose ideas of, like, letting him know how awesome his work was and what it meant to me. And, like, all I could do was kind of, like, giggle like an idiot and say nothing. So, like... <laughs> So you did a Picard with Sarek. <laughs> I, I fucking did. It was just terrible. That's so amazing. I hope one day I get to meet the chat again and I can actually tell him um, what I wanted to. I can be eloquent and shit, but probably not. <laughs> there are times I can't talk to James because James is Captain Kirk to me. And, and this is coming after five and a half years of working on Phase 2, and I'm friends with him, and I text him, and there are times that I'm standing right next to him, and I want to tell him something. I'm like, I mean, it's got. So, I mean, it's got to be such an interest. Like, like, like. Just we we got to um, we shot on the Farragut set for our uh, for the Trek off movie that we're making, and uh, and just being there for a day, um, like I can't imagine getting like I I can't yeah. imagine getting to go there on the regular and like. Like Bring you're tired, it to life. You're like, oh, I don't want to be here today because I gotta go do something. I can't imagine that ever being the case. Like you're on the, like I, you're on the fucking Enterprise. I mean, what's like, like what, what is it? I, I, I know it's a broad question. What's it like? But like, what's it like? <laughs> um, the first time I walked onto the bridge, I was like, holy crap, I'm home. And that was way back in 2009, where, you know. The whole entire 360 bridge was constructed in the old studio. 
and that was special. But walking in this year was like really special because we had a new building, corridors are up, uh, the captain's quarters are up, you see the bridge, you've got, spoiler alert, a gateway, like from City on the Edge of Forever, City on the Edge of Forever there, and you're like, holy shit, I'm home. And then every day, I when we were on the uh, at the studio because we were on location this this shoot too, that I, I every day I would get to walk the corridors, and it was like I was on the Enterprise, and James even offered to let me sleep in Captain Kirk's quarters, but that's another story. What? Did you do it? Dude, tell me you did it, because I would have fucking done that shit. I didn't get a chance to, because every night I would leave the studio, like, at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, by the time I got back to where I was staying, it was like, uh, next the next shoot we do in, like, June, they told me they're going to lock me in the studio for a night, so I get to sleep in the captain's quarters. Dude, so, dude, we should have I, a slumber party on on the bridge, okay? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> where are you guys? You're in, you're in, so you're in upstate New York. Where in upstate New York are you? Uh, Ticonderoga. And and is that uh, Buffalo, upstate New York, or is that Albany, upstate New York? I like to call it almost Canada, upstate New York. <laughs> so so closer to closer to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Between the two, so um, I have to ask because there is a Star Trek actor who's living up there. Um, um, have you had any run-ins with, uh, with John G. Hertzler, who, who is Martel? Actually, Martell? very, very funny story. One of, the, one of our shelved episodes, which is called The Sky Above and the Mud Below, was slated to be an episode where J.G. directed and guest-starred as Harry Mudd. Oh, and wow. What, so what, what happened? Yeah. Um, it, there was uh, he had an injury, and then he started a professorship. So that didn't exactly. We didn't get a a clear shot at him for uh, an episode. So that's that's one of the reasons why it was shelved. But he also actually was on our sets for um, of Gods and Men too. He was a Klingon, apparently. That so is he, he, Tim Russ, um, Garrett Wong. Crystal Allen, uh, Chase Masterson, a whole bunch, a whole slew. Oh, Michelle Nichols was on our set. Uh, Alan Ruck. See, all right. Uh, so, and Walter. so what I'm going to do is when we hang up, I'm going to ask for your Rolodex because uh, we got to get these guys on the show. <laughs> See, and ask them. <laughs> or we ask have to them get everybody together, and we should have a big slumber party. I'm serious. <laughs> it would be so much fun. Shit, you know, can you imagine we did that? And then we just shot it. They brought a bunch of cameras. Shit? That'd be and crazy. We, and shot it, and then we just edited it together, and we put that out. It would be like number one on Netflix. Boom. <laughs> Boom. It would be so awesome. It'd be like slumber partying on Star Trek. It'd be so That's good. I see. That would be like the high point of my life for real, sis. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Our wedding was great, but. Um... <laughs> Uh, what was I, I gotta know what was your background I mean I have your Trek background but how do you get involved in this um, they had a uh, open crew call for Katumba at, at the end of 2008 and I signed up but I, I didn't expect to hear anything back because come on it's Star Trek and 5 billion people want to be on Star Trek right and I'm like okay I'm not it, it got to be like uh March, April, and I finally got a call back from one of the line producers, um, Rob Morrow, 
And he's like, you want to go come up and make Star Trek? I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? What is the yeah, only answer to that question? <laughs> and originally I was supposed to be a production assistant, but then I ended up being a grip on the grip and electric team for Star Trek. And I lit a bunch of the scene, helped light, light a bunch of the scenes in Kitumba. So that was awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so I mean, that, fucking cool, dude. And now, and now you're in the club. Now you're there. You've been there for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I know that you know when when we were talking, uh, I know that there's uh, um, there's there's something to plug, and I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to plug it. What is uh, what is uh, going on? What is new, and what do you want to let our listeners know about? Um, as many longtime Star Trek fans know, there is one story that has been much talked about and want been wanting to be filmed and that story comes from a anthology book called Star Trek the New Voyages and that story was written by Shirley, Shirley Mieski and that story is called Mind Sifter um the first time we tried to film Mind Sifter it was with a different script and that was the last time I got to see James Colley be Captain Kirk for two scenes, and I was the first AD and the script supervisor. Fast forward three years, and we're shooting Mind Sifter again, different script, and Brian Gross is Captain Kirk. So we have Mind Sifter ready to be released on December 1st, and it's an amazing episode. I can only tell you that Everything is awesome. You get to see awesome Klingons. You get to see the Gateway. You get to see the TOS Enterprise in all of her glory. You get to see Spock in gold. Wait, did I say that? What? Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, uh, Where can people see this? And where can people see everything that's come before? Because I think that if I know Alexia... Um, what's going to happen after this phone conversation is that she's going to have like like two or three cokes and stay up and watch this all night. But she just needs to know where to go. Um, where can she go see everything that you? Am I wrong? No. Am I wrong? Like <laughs> no, like you you're got, not. You, you've it's got funny. you. You're right. You, you've got you've got a ton of new original series Trek to watch now. Right? Um, <laughs> uh, where can she go to get all of this? And where can she go in December uh, when Mind Sifter is available? Um, you can go to both of our websites, StarTrekNewVoyages.com and StarTrekPhase2.com, and then scroll to the episode page, and then it'll take you to mirror sites where you can download them. Or you can go up on YouTube and search Star Trek Phase 2, and you, you, there's a, a playlist where all of our released episodes are on and all of our released vignettes are on. Sweet. Is um, that where, the, where we find when uh, Mind Sifter comes out? It will be... Um, in those places as well yep and um uh if you pay attention on the facebook page and the google plus page we'll probably release it right at 12 o'clock eastern standard time on december 1st okay so so again uh star trek new voyages.com star trek phase 2.com on youtube search star trek phase 2 um these guys are everywhere they're not hard to find if you're listening to this show if you're like hey i like star trek so much i'm going to listen to a dirty podcast about it um go see this man it's fucking free star trek for you man right? and and and, and no if you want to go 
And if you want to go, oh, well, it's just a fan film. First of all, it's not just a fan film. It's it's one of the premier fan films. And if you're like, but there are other people playing these characters. Not fucking always. Sometimes it's George Takei. Sometimes it's Walter Canning as well. This is as real as you're gonna get if you want original series. Um, and uh, I applaud you guys for doing it, man. It is, it is pretty fucking cool, to be honest. I'm I'm going to actually interject for a second. We actually upped our game for this episode. Our director of photography, Jeff Barklage, is actually an, a student of the TOS D, DP, Jerry Finnerman. So this episode, you will see as close to the original series as you could possibly get in all the camera angles, all the lighting schemes, everything. Oh, my oh, God. I'm totally and- nergasming over here. <laughs> You know, she's being nice. She's not nerd yet. She's actually orgasming. Um, <laughs> she's, just, she's just being quiet being and, polite. and changing her pants. Anyway, go on. That's right. Hello? Yep. Did we lose you with the whole orgasm thing? I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, I was, I, was, I was quietly laughing. Oh, sorry. I was, like, I was like, fuck, he hung up. Oh, like, shit. <laughs> we really, I was just scared him off. Damn. Oh, no. Um, oh, so, trust me. I, we, we say worse things when we're on set so it's not a problem um i not offend and what is uh what is next any plans to cross over with any other fan films any other like what's in the pipeline um down the road well i can tell you that um the episode that was supposed to be released for valentine's day this year the holiest thing is getting a complete uh post-production overhaul so it can be the best possible it can be. And um, we're looking at probably around February, March, hopefully, for that episode to be released. We have another episode also in post-production called Bread and Savagery, which is a sequel to Bread and Circuses that right. is also in post-production. Um, and then we have a June shoot. I don't know what is going to be shot, but supposedly we have something really special coming up. How does a person who's not um, special or wonderful in any way uh, get to maybe audition to be in said shoot? <laughs> hey, can I can I back up for a second? May, may I? May I? Um, yes, what she what she meant to say is how does a how how does a person with their own Star Trek fan base uh, who's already part of a Star Trek uh, podcast and movie and has and and, and has a, and has a leading role in a uh, in in a film that's going to be nationally and internationally distributed this uh, next year uh, get themselves involved uh, with this uh, being that's her and I'm just trying to sell her to you. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. And if you buy her, can you keep her? No, yeah, sorry. because he doesn't want me anymore, I clearly. Mean, I mean, she I, I'm already a fan of you guys, so she's already sold on me. Woo-hoo! So, so um for normal people, um what we do is that when we have an open crew call for the next shoot, which should be starting in the next month or so, we'll be posting up on our website and up on uh Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter, and you fill out a volunteer application, and one of a bunch of people will go through it, and then we'll uh, let you know. I mean, there's 
any number of things that anybody can do. I mean, we take people with no experience whatsoever in any aspect of production, and we have industry professionals that help you with whatever you want to do, whether it be makeup, acting, etc. So if somebody wants to do that, that's cool. And um, I have a feeling uh, you're going to be receiving an email offline when this is all said and done. I just, my crystal ball's here in front of me. Uh, <laughs> And it's glowing, uh, yes. my uh, in in its crystal scrotum. Um, <laughs> it's telling me that, that that someone will be sending an email to someone at some point. That's just the rumor that it told me right here, watching well, watching porn. No, what? Go. Well, <laughs> well, if if you guys want to, you guys can email me, and I'll be sure to pass it along to the uh, people that make decisions that are way more important than me well That's jamie very we, kind of you sir <laughs> we are so excited that you came on um i hope totally. this is not, i hope this is not your last time in the show and you know bring some friends man it's like like i would love to like you you have me like i'm invested and if i'm invested i'm assuming that the listeners are invested now too um uh like i want to meet some of these some of these cats that you've been talking about so bring them with you man and let's let's uh let's let's not make this the last time uh, that we say the name Enterprise. No, um, let's not make this the last time uh, that that Phase Two and Trek Off cross because I Absolutely. think that there is a there is a marriage happening here. I when whenever you guys want to do it, I will see if I can round up the uh, the uh, the click <laughs> up for you guys, and we'll have a ball. That'd be great. We'll just sit around and geek out about, you know, Star Trek and shit. Like, cause I imagine you get like, cause hearing some of the stuff that you've just been talking about, like, like it's stuff that, and I actually just like strangely earlier today, I was watching the trial and tribulations episode um, where, and it makes me think a lot about like the kind of stuff that you're doing. Cause like they, you know, really had to match the lighting and the look and the stuff like that in order to sort of plug these DS nine characters into an original episode. And like, it just makes me think about like all the, you know, cause I'm also, you know, kind of a film geek obviously as well. Like the, how, like what that looks like with all the, you know, little intricate pieces that make that happen because it is a very specific look. And, and I'm, I'm really excited to see this new episode that's coming out. Cause you're talking about how you've got, you know, you know, the best that it's ever been in terms of, you know, the lighting and the look and the shots and stuff. And I just, I find that stuff so fascinating. Well, speaking of tribbles, uh, last year, we made an announcement that our showrunner worked on the original series. In fact, wrote an episode, a very beloved episode that involved Tribbles. Oh. What? David Gerald is our showrunner. Holy shit. And That's he joined us for, for the holiest thing, and he, he actually did a, a pass at this um, last script, uh, Mind Sifter. Oh, man, we are going to have a good Christmas. That is a good Christmas present, y'all. So thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, this- I, I actually kind of want you guys to come up and shoot with us, or at least come up and shoot the breeze with us at the set whenever we're shooting, because I think you guys would be, you guys would fit in just fine oh my with, god uh, with, yes with, 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 so when is with, it so when is it when's the next thing shooting you said june is when you guys are june, shooting again june but the dates aren't finalized yet 
So I think that's far enough out. I mean, it's like this. Yeah, this would you be. Can let us know. We'll make that shit happen. Yeah, th this would be an offline conversation. But I mean, it's it's we will be probably like by June, ha into the point where there's a rough cut of the of the movie to start talking about and seeing and stuff. So like like the kids will be just about into in, into summer vacation. Get my wife to take some vacation and let's let's do it, man. Let's let's yeah. like I said, let's say before between now and then, let's have you guys on again because because you know you're good people. And you know, I don't say that to everyone, but I say sure it to some doesn't. people. And I say, no, I don't. <laughs> and this is going to be like it's going to be one of those times where we hang up and we're like, God, that fucking guy. You know, like like we do with Mr. A. No, I'm kidding. We love. I guess that's fucked up. What the fuck, dude? It's totally true though. He hates everybody. He I really hate does. everybody. He hates everyone. He's just a hater. Except you, if you're listening. Except for you, if you're listening. If you're everybody's listening. listening. Yeah, you you guy who is on our show, we like. <laughs> It's those other assholes, man. <laughs> no, we've been really lucky with, with very few exceptions, actually. We've been, um, I am happy to report that there, there have been no assholes and in general, some just fucking great people. So it's like, I, you say never meet your heroes. Trek Off has allowed me to meet a few and my heroes are pretty cool, actually. Yeah, my, I feel like people my... who just do Trek, I, I, like it's a really good litmus test for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Especially like talking to you right now, like I, I gotta tell you, man, like the like your little story about loving Star Trek as a baby, like it just makes me go, that's my kind of guy right there. Yep, we're gonna be pals. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just you just know you're like, okay, my people, awesome. <laughs> All right, well, single ladies, line here. <laughs> that's right. All the single ladies. All okay? the single ladies. Uh, so 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 listen jamie sanchez thank you for coming on to trek off uh star yes, trek phase you. two uh search star trek newvoyages.com star trek phase two.com uh youtube uh youtube that shit google that ship watch it right now man you got you got new free original era trek right now it's there go consume it and december 1st mindsifter will be out uh we have all of our guests um, who come on. They get the privilege of ending the show um, the way that Alexia does. So uh, we will say Trek Off, and your line is Trek Off Bitches. So we will say Trek Off, and you say? Bitches. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Jamie. Bye. So you just finished the episode and you're like, hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek off to put in my ear hole to put into my brain part. Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over 100 hours of Trek off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. Trekoffmovie.com, trekoffpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and trek off.